Let's turn to Isaiah 58. For those of you who have been around a long time, this is one of the key scriptures that the founding, the church was founded upon. And um, I was sitting at work on Friday, and the Lord reminded me of this scripture. So I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm going to sort of skip around a little bit, okay? Is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free? And break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? Verse 8. Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of fingers and the speaking of wickedness. Verse 12, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. This is something that we are called to do and to be. Loosen the bonds of the wickedness. Undo the bands of the yoke. Your light will break out like the dawn. Your recovery will speedily spring forth. You will be called the repairs of the breach, the restorers of the streets in which to dwell. This is who we are. This is what we were created to be. What stops us? Sometimes something stops us. Sometimes we don't know how to loosen the bonds because we are living in bonds ourselves. I think it's all too common that we entertain our traumas, and our sins. We make them part of who we are. We make them part of our identity. So let me be clear right off the bat, okay? There is like zero condemnation attached to this word. This is a little bit heavy, I think. Um, But the Spirit of the Lord doesn't bring condemnation. He doesn't make you feel bad and bring no hope. Okay, the spirit of the Lord provides hope. So I want you to hear me today and hear my heart that there's no condemnation here, right? We all sin, all of us. This is not a newsflash. You all know it. As much as we like to show the perfect, it's not always there. And we live in a sinful fallen world where we encounter trauma. We do. There is nothing you did wrong that caused the trauma to happen. It just happens. 
Melissa was sharing, I hope this is okay, about how she had a traumatic birth with one of her children. And it, and it took time to work through those things. Trauma just happens to us. And it can be big or little. It can be something that is like, your dog died. I've got an example of that later, right? It could be something like, you were in a car accident. And you, you can't get into your car anymore. Okay? In fact, the definition of trauma is something that happens to us when we have no control. That's the definition of trauma. Who likes to have no control? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. We'll test that out in school tomorrow, Jack. <laughs> Psalm 143, 3 and 4, um, that even shows that, you know, King David, he wasn't king then, but David had trauma. It says, for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have been long dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me and my heart is appalled within me. That means left speechless by something horrible. He was left speechless and rendered incapacitated almost by something horrible. Okay? Trauma happens. But I find that in daily culture, trauma has now because become something, not that happens to us that's awful that we need to work through, but something that is embraced. Oh, I have my trauma. Vivi, sit down. Oh, I have my trauma. I can't do that because I was traumatized. We can't say this or that, or we have to interact with this person because there was trauma. Anybody? Yes? It has become something that is embraced. Honestly, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen a Facebook status that says, my anxiety won't let me do this. Okay, listen, anxiety is real. I'm not negating that. Sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need Jesus. Sometimes we need both. Okay? I dealt with severe panic attacks as a, as a late teen in my early 20s. Like, I would just need to run. I, I, I feel like I have to run away. It was just this complete panic. And while it's good to acknowledge those things, it's not good to be like, hey, anxiety, my old buddy, my old pal. Let me give you an example. Um, contrary to popular belief, I used to have a dog that I loved. Poochie. Really, really incredibly. Uh, innovative name, Poochie. And, um, I loved that dog. She was my dog, and we had her for a very long time, and we moved to the country, and then we got a German Shepherd who taught her to run in the road. And the German Shepherd was massive, so the German Shepherd didn't get hit by this dog, or by the car, but my little dog got hit by a car. 
And um, my sister will tell you that the shriek I let out when I found out, she came running because she thought our father had died. It was very dramatic. It was very traumatic for me as a little kid. And I decided then and there that I would embrace my trauma and I would never get another pet and I would never love another pet because it wasn't worth it. Y'all, God's still working on me. I still kind of don't think it's worth it. You're all lucky sometimes that I love people. So I decided that I was never going to love animals. And um, do you know that my body, and I'm just kind of figuring this out, and it might sound crazy too, my body physically responded to that. I became severely allergic. I became severely allergic to animals. Even hypoallergenic ones will give me all of the stuffiness. I walked into a house, uh, was there for four hours, had to go home and do a breathing treatment. Do you know my body responded to my trauma and to my decision to hold on to my trauma? It wasn't until recently when I said, God, why do I have this overactive histamine response in my body? I want it to end. He said, well, yeah, but you held on to that. You decided that that was what it should be. Oh, crap. <laughs> we can acknowledge trauma and our sins and our anxiety and all of that stuff. We can be empathetic and gentle with those things without embracing it. Do you know what I mean by that? Does that make sense? The world tells us that if we don't embrace it and be like, this is who I am. My sin, I like to steal candy bars, so I'm just a robber. That's who I am. It's just who I am. I am so traumatized by this car accident that I was in that I, I think I have to stay in my house forever and ever. It's just who I am. It's just my personality. Okay, again, I'm not bringing condemnation. Traumas happen. Our responses happen. These things happen. But the world has said to us, we just need to be tolerant and embrace it. I am telling you today that our sins and our anxieties and our traumas and all of that stuff is not something to be embraced. Because God has better for you. He has more for you. He wants you to loosen the bonds of the world, but here we sit in bondage. If you go to Exodus 3, this is the story of Moses and the burning bush. I sort of love this story. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mount of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of 
a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. How many of you know God is not above setting a dumpster fire to get your attention? (laughs) Ooh, something's burning. What's happening? Who's ever done that? You're like, oh my gosh, my life's a mess. What's happening? Here's the cool thing about God. If he sets a fire, what's good is not consumed. He will not consume you. He will not burn you up. He will not destroy you. So if you haven't read the story, go in and read Exodus 3 and 4 because I'm going to jump around a little bit. But, you know, he goes and he sees this bush. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. He called Moses' name. Look at that. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This is Old Testament. Do you know the fantastic thing right now? I mean, I haven't ever seen God face to face, but we don't have to hide our face. We don't have to be afraid to look at him. We can look full in his wonderful face. His amazing face. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to turn. We don't have to turn away anymore. And the Lord said, verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. See, God is aware of the sufferings of his people. He is aware of the sufferings of his created He is aware that they are in bondage, and he has anointed someone to bring freedom. In this case, it was Moses. In this case, it's you. Thank you. And so he tells Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. I'm going to bring my people out of Egypt. And then Moses starts with the excuses. But who am I? Who am I? God says, you are, you, and I am, and I have anointed you, and so you carry my anointing. And Moses is like, ah, what if they don't believe me? And God's like, well, here, I'm going to give you a sign, you're going to throw it on your staff, it's going to become a snake, you can pick it up, it's going to be a staff again, put your hand in your shirt, it's going to come out leprous, and then go back in, and it's not. All of these things, God's like, I'm going to give you these signs. And then he's like, and then when you go to Pharaoh, I want you to say to let my people go. And then Moses is like, yeah, but I stutter. I have these problems. Who I am is not sufficient. All the stuff I have, not sufficient. I can't do that. And God's like, listen, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And then Moses is like, mm, yeah, but I, I still don't, I don't talk very good. He just made that who he was. This problem I have, that's me. You can't possibly separate me from my problem. Sound familiar? Anybody? Ever? 
in Elijah House, which we're taking with my mom, one of the things they say all the time is that the sword of the spirit is for separating the person from the behavior. And I'm like, ooh, I love that. Because we have behaviors that are not honoring to God and are not righteous. But you know what? Every single one of us who's put ourselves under the blood of the lamb are righteous. So we use the sword of the spirit to separate the person from a behavior. But Moses is like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to hold right here onto my stuttering. I like it. I can't possibly do what you want me to do. And God's like, fine. I'll send your brother with you. How many of you know that if someone said, I say, I can't do it. And they say, okay, we'll take your sister. She'll do it. I'll be like, what? (laughs) No, I think I can. I got it. I got it. It's fine. So he's like, fine, I'm going to send your brother. It says, actually, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, is there not your brother, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. So God's like, fine, we're going to use your brother. But also, you're still going to be able to speak. Here's where it gets really interesting. This is in chapter 4, verse 20. No, I lied. Verse 23, so I said to you, let my son go and he may, that he may serve me, but you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn son. So this is what he's going to tell Pharaoh. And verse 24, now it came about, that, so they're heading out, he and his wife and family. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. And so God let him alone. This, like, made me really curious. I was like, wait, 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 hold up. Let me get this straight, God. You just told Moses to go do something, and then you tried to kill him on the way? Okay. I mean, I know I'm not God, but logic fails me. So I went. I love I love the Internet because it used to be you have to go get your dad's ginormous Bible commentary. Okay? You don't have to do that anymore. I do have to find it, though, because I didn't. Okay. So this is what Bible commentary says about this verse. Now, God was offended with him for this neglect of duty because he did not circumcise his son. Okay? The Israelites were under the command to circumcise their sons and to be circumcised. And... Um, Moses had married a Midianite woman and so they had not circumcised their son. So he was offended at the neglect of duty, not only because Moses knew that no child could be admitted a member of the uh, Israelite community without circumcision, nor be entitled to the blessing of God's covenant with Abraham's seed, but also because Moses' example was of great consequence for who would have regarded the law of the lawgiver if the lawgiver had neglected it. This is the part that really got me. As Moses was raised up for extraordinary service, it was... peculiarly, I can't talk, it was very proper that he should set an example of exact obedience in his own conduct. Hence, he was thus sharply rebuked. So, for a while, 
God let Moses make his excuses. This is who I am. 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 And then uh, there came a point where God said, see this thing right here? There is no excuse. It's got to go. Now, side note, caveat, I'm not saying God's going to try and kill you. (laughs) Okay? Um, Actually, uh, some of the commentaries say that Some say that they think he got sick. Some say that he encountered an angel with a big, scary sword. Which is interesting because kind of that's what I've been praying. Over the churches as these governments tried to shut them down in different countries. Just send angels with big, scary swords, God. So some say he saw an angel with a big, scary sword. Maybe it was that sword that was going to separate Moses from his behavior. And he had to rectify that situation. Moses had to get rid of the stuff that God was bringing to his attention so that he could bring freedom to a whole nation. This is us. I get it. We get comfortable with our stuff. Right? And listen, God's not going to say, oh, all of this mess, it's all got to (laughs) go. Sometimes I feel that when I look at my life. Oh, okay, I did that wrong, and I did that wrong, and this is right. No, 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 no. He's going to put his finger on something. He's going to say, this, this, I want to go. This got to go. I was thinking, we had a beehive in our kitchen. It was a yellow jacket nest that got in the wall and our old house was built in 1850 so it was literally like plaster and lath really old native studs not 16 inch on center not even close and then the wood siding so there was nothing between the plaster and lath and the siding it was just big and empty and so the yellow jackets got in there and um they when we ended up redoing the kitchen we tore down the wall it was like one of the whole sections between the studs was complete nest. You could hear it. You could smack the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would have happened if we would have said, oh, well, you know, we know that's there, but the buzzing, it's kind of comforting. It soothes me. It's just a So we're just going to leave it there. Yeah, we're just going to leave it there because it's it's kind of comforting. You know what would have happened? They would have kept coming in my house and stinging me and my children. But, But it's comforting. It's easier to leave it there. Instead, Matt and Russell waited till night, drilled holes, and emptied bottles of wasp spray into the wall. But we get comfortable with our stuff. Sometimes it's easier to just, you know, have it there like an old friend than it is to be like, nope, you got to go. Anybody? Anybody get comfortable? Hebrews 12, 1, wherefore, seeing we are encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses, let let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race which is set before us. 
Guys, we're called to run. And every weight, every trauma, every anxiety, everything, we're called to let it go. Again, parentheses, this isn't always like, oh, I just prayed it, prayed and it went away. Sometimes, what does the scripture say? Setting his eyes as flint, setting his eyes as stone, like on the thing. Sometimes we have to set our eyes as flint and say, I am going after God and I am going after freedom and I don't care if it takes me the rest of my life. I'm dealing with this. It's going to be gone and I'm going to have victory. How many people need that? I need that. I don't want to go around the same mental mountain over and over again. I want freedom. I don't want to be afraid to leave my house. I don't want to be afraid to get into my car. I don't want to be afraid of buzzing in my ears. I don't want to be afraid of loving a pet. I don't want to carry that stuff. In the Elijah house, they used a phrase that said, we are called to tear, tear down the trauma structures. They said, tear down the trauma structures. Trauma, anxiety builds a structure in our life. And we use it. We use it as a crutch sometimes. The structure that it's built, I'm comfortable with it. I know it's my safe space. But we are called to tear down the structure because who is our safe space? God. We don't need a crutch of anxiety and weight that Satan says, look at this. This will help you. No, our help comes from the Lord. I looked at the hills where my help comes from. My help is from you, maker of heaven and of earth. And I'm going to tell you something. The world has been traumatized. I mean, even if you just look at this last year, how many people do you know who are afraid to leave their home because they might get COVID and die? I still actually, I know people. I have had the vaccines. I have three masks. I still don't want to go to Walmart. Well, I don't want to go to Walmart either, but (laughs) it's beside the point. If I send my kids to school, they might die. It's like the crudes and then they died. <laughs> yes. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Because then they die. I, I mean, I'm joking. But that's like the trauma that has happened to our world just in the last year. Think about when you're talking trauma. And this is like a super high overview, right? Because it, there's no way to encompass all of this in 20 minutes to a half an hour. But think about all of the ethnicities that have been traumatized in their history. Think about the black population and slavery and the traumatizing that that has done to future generations. Think about the Irish and their slavery, and the traumatizing that has happened to their generations. You can name the culture the people, okay? 
there is trauma that's happened. And how about if we look at our world and say, how scary it must be for you to be looking at the world through that lens of trauma. Oh, the, the scripture says that Jesus' heart was moved with compassion because he was able to separate the person from the behavior. His heart was moved with compassion. I sometimes get angry. Don't tell me what I got to put on my face. But what if I stopped and looked and said, whoa, there's been a whole lot of trauma inflicted here. God, what needs to happen? What can I do to tear down that trauma structure? Because now if we've decided that we're going to get free, we're going to be free, then it's imperative. It is inherent to us to go and to, to tear down the trauma structures of the world. Does that make sense? Another comment in our Elijah House book says, all captives feel held back from fully living life. You ever felt that? Maybe it's time to say, God, what's that about? Why, why do I feel like I can't fully live life? There are people right now out there who are hurting who feel like they cannot fully live life. When we're talking about trauma in Elijah House, we learned about, well, when we're talking about all healing in Elijah House, we learn about the five R's. One is recognizing. Ooh, sometimes it's easy. There's a flaming dumpster in my life. <laughs> sometimes it's not so easy. Gosh, why do I have to do a breathing treatment every time I go to a house with a dog in it? Sometimes that's not always easy to recognize. Guess what? We all have the Holy Spirit in us and a God who loves us. So when we say, ooh, I don't actually like this behavior, why am I doing this? He's faithful to say, eh, see that right there? That's why. The next thing they say is confess and repent. God, I'm sorry I decided. I'm sorry I believed the lie that. I'm sorry I decided that. I'm sorry I decided that I would never love another animal. Then we release forgiveness. Sometimes we have to forgive ourselves. Anybody? Anybody harder on yourself than everybody else is? Or is that just me? Oh, moron, what were you thinking? Mute, Jen, mute. It's not hard to press the button. I have a habit of that. So we release forgiveness. We release forgiveness to the car that hit us. To the resident who broke our water when he shouldn't have. Wherever the forgiveness is needed, that's where we release it. And then we reckon as dead that behavior. I am telling you that this behavior is under the cross. It's dead. And then we resurrect the life that God has called us to live. Listen, I am not here to tell you today that all of your problems can be just prayed away. 
Sometimes you need to look at this and say, I have an issue. I need to see someone. That's really okay. God gives us medicine for a reason. Sometimes we need that. Okay? There is no judgment. There is no condemnation. But what I want you to understand today is that God's design for you is freedom. It's freedom. It's laying aside all of that stuff and not making your identity that trauma. Sometimes we pray and it has to go. God, release that trauma. It's got to go. Um, I had a friend who got her arm stuck in a, a post hole digger and uh, broke her arm pretty severely. And uh, I just, when I saw her the next time, I said, can I pray over you? Can I just pray that God would release the trauma from your body? She's like, yeah, go ahead. Because sometimes we catch it at the start. It can't make that structure, right? Ooh, that just happened to me. Oh, I need to work through that. Every time I feel this, I'm going to say, God, we need to work through this. I need to talk about this. My mom's uh, good at talking about um, how when T deployed, they had someone come, or when he returned at some point, they had a a psychiatrist come in and talk about PTSD and how she would have uh, soldiers, when they were reliving traumas and things that they experienced, she would have them go for runs and process through those things. And then it would then go from the front to long-term memory, and it could be moved past, okay? There are processes that have to happen, and then sometimes the Spirit of the Lord God comes down and says, I am sovereign, and it's done. But no matter how he chooses to do that, no matter what it looks like in your life, the decision here, and what I want for you guys all to Uh, decide before you leave here is that I don't want any of this stuff living here. I don't want any of that stuff living and making its residence and building a house inside of me. And you know what? Trauma will happen again because we live in a sinful world. And then we say, no, that happened and it was awful. And God, I need you to deliver me of all of this because it cannot live here. Because there's a whole bunch of people out there who are boxed in tiny spaces because of trauma and anxiety and the weight and sin which so easily besets us. We were made for freedom. Freedom is not something that man invented. From the very creation of the world, God placed freedom in the garden. And he knew what we would do with the freedom. So he provided a means of sanctification for us. Freedom is in the heart and the nature of God. And it is in your heart and nature because you were created in the image of a living God. And you and me were created to undo the bonds of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free. You were created to break every yoke of affliction. 
You were created to bring recovery that speedily springs forth. You were created for your light to rise in darkness. You were created to raise up the age-old foundations, to be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. That's you. And on days you don't feel like it, it's still you. It's still me. When you sin again, and the enemy's like, man, jerk. You're still that. You're still the restorer of the streets and the repair of the breach. You get up and you run full into the face of God and say, I screwed up again. Don't let it stay here. As we close, I'm going to pray. If you want further prayer, I'm more than happy to pray for you today. If you need prayer more than today, send me a message. Call me up. I'll pray with you. If you need a little heavier hitting, we're going to send you to Pastor Jeannie. (laughs) She's really good at all this stuff. If you need heavier hitting than that, she'll send you on. The point is you don't have to live here. You don't have to live. You don't have to embrace the stuff that hurts you. And I'm going to tell you something I learned years ago if you run to the Savior uh, Matthew come here please and you say I don't care I don't care I don't care if it hurts just do it Oh, I just moved away from the camera. I just hugged my husband as hard as I could. (laughs) Sorry. I'm not good at that. If you run to him and say, do it, just do it. It's like when your mom ripped off the Band-Aid. It really hurt for a second, but it was quicker than like that. Where it pulled off every hair you had. Yeah. Run to the daddy. He's going to take care of it. Okay? This makes sense. All right, Heavenly Father, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that you have fashioned us to walk free of trauma and guilt and shame. Yeah, there's guilt that has made structures in people's lives here. If you have guilt that has made a structure in your life, come up afterwards, we're going to pray for you. Guilt and shame and trauma and anxiety and sins that weigh us down, God, You've made us to walk free. And you take all of that and you make us new. And we walk. We walk free. I bless you today, God. I ask that you put your hand on each person. Comfort them where they're hurting, God. Your Holy Spirit is the comforter. It comes in and it says, oh, I know. I know that anger is because you are so, so hurt. So let me touch that spot and make it not hurt anymore. I ask that you would just um, give dreams and visions and revelation. I ask that you help us to walk free so that we can bring the world 
the freedom. Bless you, and I thank you in Jesus' name. You're dismissed, unless you want prayer.